This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or this week, as we're calling it, Dear John and Sarah. Or Dear Sarah and John. It's an advice podcast where we answer your questions, provide you with dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. It's a little bit different this week, not only because I'm joined not by my brother, TikTok sensation Hank Green, (laughs) but by Sarah Urist Green, my spouse, who's also a TikTok sensation. Right. I started TikTok last week. I know. I think I have five. One of the best text messages I've ever received in my entire life came from Sarah. I was driving home from the office and Sarah texted (laughs) me, I'm making my first TikTok um, and I'm not sure if it's good, but I don't want to overthink it. And then three seconds later, (laughs) she texted, but maybe I should overthink it. Question mark, question mark. (laughs) Which is just a chef's kiss, perfect example of overthinking. The way that I work is just not internet friendly. Like the internet embraces uh, uh, bold, confident Mm -hmm. utterances. Mm -hmm. And I like to really think things over and carefully craft something. And I've really been working against that for years. Yeah. Um, and, and TikTok was a new exploration for me, but it was fun. I think you're doing you a great job. You can find me at the art assignment. There you go. Great promo, Sarah. You say you're not good at the internet, but that was some high quality well, internet thank advertising. Thank you. Speaking of high quality internet advertising, this podcast is available to you in the way that it is at the time that it is, because it is currently As you are listening to this, assuming that you're listening to it around the time that it uh, was uploaded, it is currently the Project for Awesome, our community's annual 48-hour fundraiser where uh, 100% of the proceeds go to charity and you can get lots and lots of different rewards for your donation, including 
a Project for Awesome exclusive episode of Dear Hank and John, which is one of Hank and I's favorite things to do every year. We only answer questions from people who donated to get that perk or else got the digital download bundle. You can get uh, all 150 of my private TikToks. (laughs) Wow. There's some gold in there, Sarah. Yeah, I know. There's, there's 137 real high-quality TikToks in 13. I've been witness to the creation <laughs> of a lot of them. And I've also been witness, not to out you here, to yeah. some of your rehearsals. Oh, I do love a rehearsal. You, he likes to sort of talk it out. Well, the way I the way and, I write is by talking. Yeah. And so when I'm writing a TikTok or I'm talking it out. Does this sound right? Yeah, I'm yes. trying to see if the arc of it is what I want it to be and all that stuff. Right. So you can get lots of different perks only at projectforawesome.com slash donate and only during the Project for Awesome. So we are making this as a no cut special. That's right. No cuts because... No cuts, no apologies. Because we don't have any time because the Project for Awesome is happening. Yes. And we can't... I've been making perks too, John. I know. I'm going to get to that. Okay. We can't deliver the podcast this late and have edits. So here we are, no-cut special, raw and unfiltered. It's the full Sarah and John experience. Sarah has made some amazing perks for this year's Project for Awesome, including... Yeah, so last year I made a large series of 50 um, what I call collage poems, which is where I take images and little text clips from um, my collection of vintage magazines and put them together in these interesting combinations. I am making 20 of those, Mm -hmm. but I'm also making two new kinds of collages, brand new. Yes. One, Star Wars collages. They're amazing. We recently repainted our son's bedroom, and he had these Star Wars decals on the ceiling. And when he didn't want them anymore, and so I was pulling them off, and they came off perfectly and cleanly. And I was like, well, this is an opportunity. So I I took them um, into my workspace and sort of slapdashed them onto some uh, vintage magazine pages, and uh, I thought they looked really cool. So I've developed those. Um, I think there are nine of those. Yeah. Let's not say it was slapdashed. I've seen you working on them, and in fact, it's been dozens of well, hours no, no. for okay. each collage. So, so the, the, repl- <laughs> the, the initial placement of the decal was slapdashed. Oh, okay. But everything Then I was able to after. peel them off oh, okay. there and re place them. They're very good. And then I also have a series of 20 architectural image collages where I took some um, prints, uh, not real prints, like, you know, like not super important printouts of some um, architectural photographs by the photographer Julia Schulman. And I added over top um, uh, interesting and amusing images from my magazines. Yeah. So, are, they're all really cool. You got to check them out at projectfrost.com slash donate. for everyone. You can see. If you like funny collages. You can see examples of the collages uh, at the at the site. So projectfrost.com slash donate is where you go. We're also doing a live stream that goes from Friday at noon Eastern time until Sunday at noon Eastern time. So thanks to everybody in our community for making the Project for Awesome such a big deal. This is the 15th one. We've raised over $12 million for charity. I am so, so just overwhelmed by what the P4A has accomplished. And thank you. Thanks for being part of it with us. Check out the live stream if you can. Donate if you can. And otherwise, just enjoy the rest of this episode of Dear Hank and John. Beginning with this question from Ella and Leah. Sarah, this question really got me going. (laughs) Dear John and Sarah, 
how do you eat salad without looking weird? The lettuce is too big and it doesn't fit in your mouth. And then you have to awkwardly either let the extra mm. lettuce fall back into your bowl from your mouth, or you have to find a way to unawkwardly eat a humongous piece of lettuce all at once, which involves just so much chomping. A salady calamity, Ella and Leah. Exclamation point. <laughs> this is an excellent question. I have lots of thoughts about this. Yeah. Do you want, do you want me to go first? Uh, I can go first. Here's what I want to say about it. When mm. I am eating salad, especially when I'm eating like salad where there's whole leaves or mm-hmm. large parts of leaves, mm-hmm. I think to myself, this is, I always think to myself, I am a mammal. Right. And I am like a cow. I'm like a cow chewing, chewing cud. Yeah. I am a mammal eating leaves. See, I feel like I'm like a dinosaur, like yeah. reaching for the tall leaves. Yes. Yes. Like, <laughs> like the, a- right. Like looking for the good leaves, like brontosauruses. You know, right. I, I was thinking about this recently, and so I looked up how much brontosaurus has ate per day. Mm-hmm. 1,140 pounds of leaves wow. a day. Well, that's what they did all day. Yeah. Do you think they got tired of it? <laughs> do you think that, like, do you think that there was a sense, like, how when we're at work, yeah, you know, I gotta like, keep chewing. Like, when I'm, I'll give you an example. When I'm in the garden, I love vegetable gardening. But there are definitely times where I'm like, God, this is a lot of work. Sure. And I wonder if the brontosaurus was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to get up today and eat another 1,140 pounds of leaves. <laughs> As opposed to, um, like, flipping through TikTok yeah. for four hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just wonder if the like, brontosaurus, like— only there was TikTok. I'm just wondering, did you, do you feel kind of low-level euphoria because you're doing the thing that you're supposed right. to do and you're right. feeding your body? Or do you feel like, God, this is a lot of effort and I just wish I could take a day off, but my body— Body needs 1140 pounds of leaves. Okay, okay. Back to the question, however. Yeah. yeah. Um, this reminds me of one of my favorite moments when I was in grad school um, studying art history. There was a very a well-known art historian in um, in the department, and I never ran into her. And she's she was semi-retired at the time. And uh, uh, one day she came into a, a potential um, a professor's talk that was a lunchtime lecture, where somebody who wanted to teach at the school came and like gave a presentation. So we're all in there, lunchtime lecture. In she walks powerhouse that she is, comes and sits right in the front, brings out a very crinkly bag, pulls out like a plastic clamshell uh, container (laughs) filled with a giant salad, and she just digs in. It's crunchy. It's loud. There's huge pieces of lettuce going everywhere. And it was really distracting, the guy presenting. And like, not only was she intimidating, but she was also eating this ridiculous salad. And like, my my thought was like, stop laughing, Sarah. Like, be cool, be cool. But my other thought was, what a power move. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's like, what that. if you just yeah. eat your salad just lean into it. and you know that you look kind of like a ravenous monster, but you just say like, that's right. I'm eating this salad. Yeah. 
I am, you're right, I am a mammal. And I do have to eat things to sustain my departure from chemical equilibrium. And I will not apologize. And I was told this was a lunchtime lecture. And so I will not apologize. And if the piece of salad is too big, I will bite Mm -hmm. it in half and let the other half drop into my bowl. And if it's not too big, uh, I will try to eat it all at once. And that's who I am. That said, I... I I don't choose a salad in all situations. First, you want to you want to eat what you actually want to eat. Right. Like if you really want to eat a salad and you feel like a salad, great, go for it. Yeah. But if you just kind of like need some uh fuel yeah. for whatever you're doing and you need to be quiet and mm-hmm. you don't and you might be embarrassed with whoever you're with, you know, sandwiches can sometimes also be awkward, but like, think about it, like a bowl of something. God, I love a sandwich. I wish I had a sandwich. I just realized I haven't eaten today and I really want a sandwich. But that can also be, that can also be awkward if it's like really big, you know, and you're trying to eat it. Is it going to be weird for you if I order a sandwich right now while you read the next question? Um, no, but we have, we have sandwich making, John. Mm. Mm, no, you just you just so I want to quote something you just said because I thought it was so beautiful. Okay, um, when you are hungry, you know what you want. Oh, okay, and you know. So I, know I am I going I to Read proceed. Four there. Um, onto this Th- question. Starts, Hello, Green Bros. From Emily. Hello, Green Bros. And I'm assuming you also mean Green Sarah. Um, <laughs> I don't normally wear makeup, but I have some big interviews coming up. Should I wear Mm. makeup to look professional at the interview and then never wear makeup again? Would they think I'm lying? I would love (laughs) some dubious advice. (laughs) (laughs) Why lime backwards, Emily? This reminds me. So when I first started working at Bookless, Sarah, just before we reconnected and started Mm-hmm. talking. When I first, oh, that's the other thing that you can get for the Project for Awesome is Sarah and I do an annual podcast, yes. which we just recorded called Like Letters, where we read the emails that we wrote each other back and forth during the year and a half before we started dating. And they're the sweetest, cringiest, uh, most amazing yeah, this letters. This year's was particularly cringy. Oh boy, I could barely um, get through it. Which I, I hope is uh, is like impetus for you all to um, to want to Yeah, we're genuinely hoping that you forgive us for how cringy it is. Right. But back to Emily's question. So can I tell you about book Okay. So my first day at my first grown-up job, or like, I don't know, my first full-time job out of school, I went into the office. I'd tempted a bunch of places, and so I was like, whatever. I was just, I went into the office, I interviewed with them for like 15 minutes, and I was wearing a nice button-down shirt, and I was wearing pleated pants, um, as you remember. And I and and everybody, I left, and then they hired me, and I so I came back the next day. And everybody apparently was commenting on how he was such a nice, put-together young man, and he really <laughs> seems to have his act together. And then I show up the next day, and the way that my boss Eileen Cooper would later describe it, she said, "I saw you walking in." <laughs> had the front of your shirt tucked in and I was like oh he looks okay and then you walked past me and the back of your shirt was not tucked in yeah and your pant leg was Stuck like in inside your of your sock and I was like hmm well we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so should you wear makeup yeah I I think I think you do need to feel comfortable 
So if the makeup is going to make you feel uncomfortable, mm, good observation. Uh, I wouldn't do it. Um, right. I think you should look put together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I don't think you need to wear makeup. I don't think you need to wear makeup. But that so I don't more- think that it's because they're going to think you're lying. I think I no. I I know that for plenty of interviews I have worn things that I would never wear. Yeah. And like now that I think about it I'm like, "Oh." No, you, you that doesn't matter. It's not like you're lying. It's more about you being what how are you going to feel comfortable and confident? And as unnervous right. as you can feel in that And if you're going to feel like a situation. clown, if you're going to feel like a clown in makeup or like uh, not like yourself, then I, I wouldn't do it. Um, I am curious right. whether it's a Zoom interview or an in-person interview. <laughs> right. um, if it's, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but if it's Zoom, I, I, for me personally, I didn't start wearing like I, I still don't wear very much makeup, but I did start at some point in my 20s wearing um, brighter, bolder lipstick. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of makeup otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been really capable of doing that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the lipstick, like if I applied it carefully and well, it made me feel like I was trying it made me feel like I had some style and personality, right. even if everything else was sort of boring. <laughs> wow. And uh, or in my mind, whatever. So like you, I don't know. I think whatever makes you feel good and and confident. Whatever makes you feel good and confident. I agree. Now let's move on to this very important question from anonymous Sarah. Okay, dear Sarah and John, why are word games like Wordle? So fun. And then they had, they signed off (laughs) D-B-A-F-T with a green Green square square. and four yellow squares. Very good sign off. Which is very good. But if you don't know what Wordle is, it's a game that- They know what Wordle is. Some people don't. A lot of people play on the internet where you try to guess a five-letter word and people are obsessed with it. And two of the people who are obsessed with it are speaking to you right now. Yes. And we were late to Wordle. Not that late. I mean, we've been playing Wordle for almost a month. Yeah, we we we. Got I it felt like I was late to Wordle. I love word games. They, especially Wordle, it's uh, it's it's a quick yeah game. Yes, I like to play it in the morning after I've had my first cup of coffee. Right, and it's like a little little achievable something. Sometimes it's achievable. <laughs> Um, but you know, I don't always do well, but it's like, it just sort of like gets my mind going. A lot of other word games are very obsessive and unending. Right. Right. um, Like we also know about those. The spell or, or Scrabble. Sarah and I can fall pretty far down a Scrabble or spelling bee rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. But the great thing about Wordle is that it ends. So I have a theory. I mean, I think I know what people love about Wordle, or I think I know what I love about it anyway which is that what I love about word games is that uh, I feel frustrated and I don't know how to solve a problem and I feel like uh, confused and a little bit uh, almost annoyed. And then those feelings resolve Mm -hmm. in pleasure, which is the opposite of how 
real life feels, which is that I feel confused and frustrated and I don't know how to solve any problems. And that is the situation. And then you go to sleep and you you wake up again and you feel confusion. And yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that's probably why. And Wordle is particularly good at being a quick, quickly resolved, enjoyable, um, mind-occupying game. But it gives you enough of the feeling of frustration that when it resolves, it feels really good. Yes. And this is also exactly what I like about writing, Mm. is that I feel frustrated and confused Mm -hmm. and I don't know how to express myself and I can't find language for something. And then it resolves. Right. And that feeling of resolution is so pleasurable that I will suffer through almost anything to get it. Uh-huh. And that is that is what writing is for me. Well, that's like a lot of creative yes. processes. Yes. Like uh, some people think that if you're doing any sort of cre- creative enterprise that it, it sort of needs to feel good and mm-hmm. be totally pleasurable. But yeah. m- most of the artists and makers I know struggle through it. And that struggle is sort of part of the process. Yeah, there's a great line often attributed to uh, Gloria Steinem, I don't like writing, I like having written. Yes. <laughs> and I think what you what I like about having written is having gotten frustrated, having felt overwhelmed, and then at least coming to some sense of resolution about it. Right. It's actually a lot like when I make my collages. Yes. I have this puzzle, like I have an image I really want to use or a phrase I really want to use. And it does, it's not working. It's not quite right. And then it comes together. Yeah. And it feels really satisfying. And then I glue it down. Right. And it's done. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I think that's the feeling that we're all after. And so I think sometimes like making creative work just about like, hey, does this give you energy? Does it like fuel your soul? Like is a little bit of an oversimplification because the ways that it fuels my soul are actually quite complicated. Right. Okay. This next question is from Kay. I was supposed to go on a date with someone from a dating app and it's been 10 minutes since we were supposed to meet and she hasn't shown up or contacted me yet. How long do I wait before I can safely say I've been stood up and leave? Not feeling okay, Kay. It's a tough one. It's been 10 minutes. 10, so, so, So let me tell you, Sarah's position on this is going to be different from my position on this. <laughs> What's your position? 10 minutes? What is the chance that this person is going to be somebody who can like really have a wonderful meaningful partnership with if they're 10 minutes late to their first date and they don't text to explain why they're right, 10 minutes right. late? Right. 0%. They, yeah. If you text, that's one thing. I'm still as you know, still not enough. No. Well, it depends on how important um promptness is to you. Yeah. So is that is that going to be a deal breaker in your relationship? For John, it is. <laughs> if every time I go out to dinner with somebody, every time I meet somebody for dinner, I have to spend 15 minutes like at the bar staring into the abyss? Yes. Yes, that is going to be a deal breaker for me. If that's feeling like the nervous. nature, yeah, like <laughs> feeling rising anxiety, wondering if this person has like, you know, died in a subway accident or something. Yes, yes, of course that would be a deal breaker for me. Right, right. I'd probably give it 15. I don't know. I mean, to me, if they haven't, con- if they're 10 minutes late and they haven't texted to explain, because on a date, I don't know how dating apps work, but I assume you can send a message, right? And be like, hey. I'm 10 minutes late. On my way. Sorry. Either understand soon. if you need to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. Yeah. 
And yeah, I to me, 10 minutes and it is also, more than enough time. It also, I, I mean, I would start thinking like, oh, if, if I if I'm okay with them being that late, I'm communicating to them that like, I, I'm a, I don't know. You would start thinking that. I agree. I would. You would. I would you be would. like, this is disrespectful. Right, right, right. I don't appreciate this. Yeah. I'd like to remain in control. And so I am leaving because that is something I can control. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, wow, I, that's, a, that's a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I like, I, I want to be that self-aware. <laughs> So I'd probably, I, I'd maybe, um, I'd try to enjoy the time as if I was there yeah, on my own, maybe yeah. for, and like, okay, I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to, I'm right. going to sit here. I'm going to, um, text a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to write Hank and John about my problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have a the, glass of iced I, tea. You know what? I'd probably do exactly what you did. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I really want to know what happened. Well, I think I know what happened. I think I know what happened. I think too. they probably got. And you know up. what, Kay, you are okay. Yeah, you are. You that person. What do they know? They're the kind what of a per- loss. They're the kind of person who doesn't show up for dates that they themselves helped schedule. I think yeah. it's on them. Not, it's, it's on them. Got it's nothing their to do problem. with you, Kay. You're great. All right. This question comes from Alana, who writes, Dear John and Hank, why is it that when I pack my suitcase to go somewhere and I pack all my folded clothes in, they fit perfectly? But if I want to just toss my dirty clothes in there at the end of the trip, they don't fit unless I fold Mm. them. Aren't they the same size as when I put them in there before going bananas, Alana? Wait, probably going bananas, Alana. (laughs) 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 Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So... Well, this is a good question, um, but I I think Hank would probably answer well, this Well, there's, like there's, there's a science, a science reason, answer. but there's like a functional reason, right? Which is but, that, because air. Because air. That's, I think that is actually both the science reason and the functional reason. Because yeah. the, Sarah taught me when we first started dating that the most efficient way to pack is actually to roll your clothes up. Yeah, I don't always do that. Though. Now you don't, but you did back then, and I, I, I still to. always do it because it's so effective. Like, I guess your clothes are a little more wrinkly, which is the the kind of it knock depends on, on it. how you how you roll. Them, I'm not a, yeah. as you know, Sarah. I'm not the best. Uh, roller, I've evolved roller of packing shirts. techniques. Oh, you got a new? Tell me. I got about a it. new technique. What, what 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 do we do now? Well, I roll the things like exercise clothes, yeah. uh, or t-shirts, pajamas, okay. things like that. Yeah. But then I have my section for the flat flat fold mm. for nicer stuff mm. that needs to stay to minimize nice. the the crisp the yes, wrinkles and yeah. the what do you call that a crease a crease, crease. <laughs> that's what I was looking for so no cut special crease, Sarah. creases haven't um, been been very much of our lives during covid <laughs> i mean to be What's fair a I, crease? to be fair I never never spent a lot of time thinking about creases yeah yeah um anyway uh yeah i think you can i i don't know i've seen i've seen john plenty of times <laughs> throw all his dirty stuff in the suitcase and it yeah, all fits in you know works. what if you want to do that you have to leave extra space yeah well or you have to really because it is sit an on it. air you got to get rid of the air if you sit on it yes. for long enough not with your toilet sheets in there great advice yeah. really key um yes do not sit on it with a gallon of milk inside <laughs> of well also don't pack a gallon of milk but like <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. I love that idea yeah. of like the bag goes through security and they're like, you can't have liquids more than, more than 3.4 ounces. But also, why did you, why are you bringing a gallon of milk? Yeah. Ugh. 
Maybe you need a gallon of milk. Maybe you're no. maybe you're really into getting swole and like you you <laughs> use a lot of milk. I tried to use young person slang. I, and Sarah. I use a lot of milk. <laughs> you don't know what you do with it. Yeah, it's, it, it is weird that we drink the milk of another oh, mammal. Oh gosh, and I this is some, this is something that you can never get past. I can't this get drinking past milk it. of a mammal. But I, somebody said that to me in high school thinking it was very profound. And then I've proceeded to hear like thousands of people make this argument to me. Okay. All right. Um, Here's uh, an art question. Let's okay. move on. Here's an art question for yes. you from Ray who writes, Dear John and Hank, how do I find people who want what I mm. make? This is a deep, deep, lifelong question, Ray. And I, from your question, I think you're like 12. So it's amazing that you're, or maybe 16. Why? Regardless, because they, they identify oh, themselves as a, a kid. kid. My art is not accepted amongst other calligraphers because I'm a kid, but my calligraphy isn't accepted in my fandoms because they don't want calligraphy. But the only type of art I can do is calligraphy. Calligraphy and characters, Ray. So the question, how do I find people who want what I make, is a lifelong question for artists. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that's one of the central questions. How do I connect what I you know, the kind of the the voice I want to share, the feeling I want to share with somebody who wants to receive it. Right. And I don't have an easy answer for that question because I still struggle with it. Well, I feel like I, I want to question um, your statement that the only type of art I can do is calligraphy. The only mm. type of art you currently feel comfortable with is right. calligraphy. And if you want to make calligraphy, great. And Art is about making stuff for other people, but it's also about uh, your own expression mm -hmm. and what you want to do and and make. So you know it's a it's a balance, as as John was saying. But I also think like if you love making calligraphy, there are there is a lot of exploration you can do within that. Mm -hmm. Like what is the next turn in calligraphy. Like, what can you do that's like a half step between calligraphy and things mm, that are made mm -hmm. that people in other fandoms like? Mm -hmm. Like, what if you uh, thought, oh, I'm going to do this really amazing, badass calligraphy uh, of... Um, I don't know, Dungeons and Dragons or something. Yeah, what, like, what, I, let's I, imagine what the fandom might be. Like, what if it's... Um, BTS say like okay. what if it's a, a what band? if so you, you made do... this amazing calligraphic BTS decal mm. that was like kind of interesting because it was this mashup between right. styles maybe, maybe the calligraphy even the way that it's written starts to outline some of the faces or something or right or some iconic so, BTS image I also have another idea. Okay. I think that's a great idea. Like, how do you take what you can already do and move it a half step toward... Something else. Something else. Yeah. Another... So my first thought was, with calligraphy especially, and I agree, Sarah, like, Ray, you can do lots of other kinds of art. It's just the place where you feel comfortable now is calligraphy. But with calligraphy especially, so much of it is, 
or so much of what I love about calligraphy on the internet a lot of times is when there is a real dissonance between the beauty of the calligraphy and what is being written. It's the same way I feel about needlepoint. Like mm. Amy Cross Rosenthal had this uh, throw pillow that was needlepointed and the needlepoint said, I hated every second of this. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was right. so brilliant. There's a lot of potential there of being very self-aware about, yeah. about the confines of traditional calligraphy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I also think that you could collaborate with other people, Ray. Mm. Like maybe you um, start something, uh, make a make something with calligraphy, and invite another artist you like mm-hmm. to to change it, to mm-hmm. draw around it, on top of it, mm-hmm. um, or or vice versa. What if you found some other person's artwork you really liked, and then played with it and added your own calligraphy to it? Right. But I also think there's real value to just making. Like, I think that there is value to making and expressing yourself. And I think that is a large part of how we get better at making stuff. Yeah. And so as you make calligraphy, you will find yourself getting better at it. And also there there will be this sort of ancillary benefit of getting, of, of finding, you know, getting closer and closer and finding more and more about how you want to express yourself in the world. And that's part of the joy of being a younger person yes. is that, you don't necessarily need to share it far and wide and that you can do all sorts of crazy things on your own without the pressure of being judged by other people. So, um, and you can sort of have time to develop artistically um, before you kind of come out to the world. Right, absolutely. Which reminds me actually that today's podcast is brought to you by Ray's Calligraphy. (laughs) Ray's Calligraphy, it's great. And it's only going to get better. (laughs) You're up, Sarah. That's great. I'm up for what? You got to say, additionally, today's podcast is brought to you and then some other. Oh, man, I wasn't prepared for this. This is too much pressure. Uh, Okay, yes. Today's uh, episode of Dear John and Sarah is also brought to you by Wordle. Wordle. Uh, One small thing you can solve in a day. (laughs) Sometimes the only thing you can solve in a day. (laughs) And of course, today's podcast is brought to you by that professor who just ate the salad. The professor who just (laughs) ate the salad, just eating a salad in the front row, being a famous professor. Yeah. And I think um, we could have Ray create a, a, a calligraphy statement that says, eat your salad loud. (laughs) <laughs> oh no, that sounds that sounds well, anyway. Mm, yeah. Mm, <laughs> it's a no-cut special. It's a no-cut special. We are. It's too late. <laughs> I can't take it back. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Let's just move on quickly. We also have a project for awesome message to okay. read from Miranda Hyduck. From NYC to Emily, happy anniversary, my love. Thank you for three beautiful years. You make me braver and better than I ever thought I could be. Sharing third things like this podcast or Star Wars or Manhole the Squirrel with you makes the world feel a bit more bearable. You're my favorite human, and I will always be here to kill the bugs and wash the dishes. Aww, that's very, very that's sweet. That's so lovely. That's another project for Awesome Perk is people uh, buy basically advertising space on this podcast to tell 
people they love that they love them, or to share any message uh, that they want with the world. So thank you so much for donating to the Project for Awesome, and also for apparently naming a squirrel uh, manhole after a joke in this podcast from years and years ago. Lovely. Yeah, you know, so that that makes me so happy. Like when people name their uh, squirrels Alaska or something, that always makes me happy. Yeah. All right, Sarah, I think we have one. So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash Dear Hank. Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Time for one more question before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC. Shall I read it? Sure. How about this one from Shelby? Dear John and Sarah, I really like video games. I love the art and the storytelling and the music and the fact that my hands are occupied. It's like a movie, but I get to do stuff. Unfortunately, I've never been very good at them. I didn't play many as a kid, and as such, I don't have the skills um, a lot of game fans do. I like playing on easier beginner mode so that I can actually progress through the story, but I can't get over the feeling that I am cheating. I know these modes are specifically designed for people more interested in stories like myself than the gameplay itself, but I still feel guilty. How can I get over this feeling of being a fake gamer and just enjoy it? Coming around the mountain, Shelby. Well, 
A few things. First off, I don't know if this is the same Shelby who makes the who is a video game journalist and makes girlfriend reviews. Probably not, but that is one of my favorite YouTube channels. So yeah. in case it is, hi Shelby. And if it isn't, still hi Shelby. <laughs> so I love video games too, and I am also terrible at them. I'm terrible at them for other reasons. Like I'm mostly terrible at them because I have this spatial intelligence uh, deficit that makes it really difficult for me to know where I am in space, which is a big disadvantage when you're (laughs) playing a video game and you don't know. Like when I play video games with Henry, he's always like, dad, dad, it's to the left, it's to the left, (laughs) it's it's behind you, still behind you. And I can never remember that stuff. So that's hard for me. And so I always play on beginner mode. And the video game I love the most in the world, even though it's a stupid, terrible video game, is the FIFA series where I just get to play soccer. And I I still, I've been playing that game for 11 years, Shelby, and I still play on semi-professional mode because if I go up to professional, it's just too hard and I don't enjoy it as much. (laughs) I I get stressed out and forget what buttons do what and all that, all those feelings. And I want to avoid those feelings. So my feeling about it is that, you know, there are different, like, the wonderful thing about video games is that you can play them in different ways. And you can even play them in ways that the developers didn't necessarily intend, but right. can still be really beautiful. Like like the Fortnite pacifist. You can play Fortnite as a pacifist. I remember doing this as a kid with my brother where we would play this NASCAR game, but we would run the cars backwards and to, to get up to 180 miles an hour so we could see a 360 mile an hour crash head-on crash. And like, obviously that's not something that the game developers designed the game to do, but it was really fun for us. And so remembering that, Mm -hmm. that you are the co-creator of this game and that the developers of it, the people who made the video game want you, need you to co-create the game with you, I think is really important because that's the moment where you can be like, oh, and so I get to do it however I want. Right. And, and also, you know, there's so, there are so many different kinds of video games, but there's also a lot of video games that haven't been made yet. Mm. (laughs) And I also think, you know, you're, you're voicing a a feeling that tells me that there's a lot more that video games can be or do. Um, And, you know, so I think, first of all, it's just about your mindset, right? (laughs) Like you're not playing this, I'm assuming you're not you're not uh, doing this in public or like with a lot of friends who are giving you a hard time. This is just something that that you're doing. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes from this feeling of like, well, the professional gamers and, you know, it's a big world now of professional gamers. They're really good at video games. Both Mm -hmm. the people who are in tournaments and a lot of the people who stream on Twitch are really, really good at at whatever game they're playing. Mm -hmm. But that's not the only way even to stream on Twitch and have an audience. Like you can be like... I was living evidence for many years that you could have a YouTube series where you play video games and you're terrible. <laughs> like, I, you know... I AFC- didn't keep John up at night. <laughs> <laughs> the AFC Wimbledon sponsorship was funded for, like, the first three or four years entirely by me being really bad at FIFA but pretty good at telling stories. And so I... Nobody watched for the FIFA, but they watched for the story. And, and I think that you know, reminding yourself that you may not be good at the video game in the narrow way that certain people define good, but you can still be really good at the video game in the sense of being a good collaborator with the developers. Right. 
And you you could also, if you want to do um, some little experiments to try to free free up your mind a little bit mm. about the process, Ooh. like like what if you you know like like the Fortnite pacifist or whatever you're playing, like mm-hmm. what if you run the you know only run the wrong way or mm-hmm. do the wrong thing, you know the so and so so called wrong thing, mm-hmm. or um, I don't know. I'm not I'm not much of a gamer, <laughs> or and by much of I mean <laughs> not, um, but. I I respect I respect video games um in general and I just think maybe you just need to do some exercises yeah. that like make you realize and understand more deeply that it's it's just a a, a platform to mm-hmm. do whatever you want. Yeah. And actually, you know, like maybe you would even impress the developers by like yeah. what's the weirdest most nonsensical thing you could do in a given scenario. Yeah. Well, one of the things about video games now is that sometimes you can get trophies, like the developers do see it coming, and you can get trophies for doing very unexpected things, which Mm -hmm. I think is kind of lovely and Mm -hmm. cool. But anyway, we wish you all the fun in the world playing games, Shelby. Yes, enjoy it. And you're not a fake gamer. Nobody is, except maybe Sarah. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, Sarah, it's time for the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. I'm not sure how much Mars news we have, realistically. I think we might have none. I don't have any Mars news. I do have some news from AFC Wimbledon, however, which is that yesterday, as we are recording this, AFC Wimbledon played Gillingham or Gillingham, one of the the ongoing longest-term debates in the United Kingdom, and Mm. which has been a nation for over a thousand years, is that nobody on Earth knows how to pronounce Gillingham. Mm. I don't know if you know that. Mm. Even the people even in... The, even the players. Indeed. I've mm. made this fact up, but it seems to have convinced you. Mm-hmm. Great. Sure. So nobody knows the Gillingham or Gillingham situation. What we do know, um, what we do know is that in that game against Gillingham or Gillingham, we did not win. Uh, because mm. we have not won a game in the league in uh, months, plural. Mm. So we tied nil-nil, which would be fine, except that Gillingham or Gillingham is one of the only four teams worse than us. Mm. And so we really needed to win that game. AFC Wimbledon currently sit in 20th place, one spot above the relegation zone. So once again, on the edge of... You know, relegation, like we are every season. It's super frustrating. May it turn around soon. That's great. Um, Sarah wasn't listening. I wasn't. She was looking something up. I was. (laughs) I was trying to figure out something Mars-related to share with you. Great. And I I like what you found. Okay. So I can't tell you anything um, strictly uh, educational or useful, but I found this poem um, by Wynne Cooper. Yeah. Titled Mars Poetica. Yeah. And I've never read it before. I'm excited. I'm just going to share it right now. Imagine you're on Mars, looking at Earth, a swirl of colors in the distance. Tell us what you miss most or least. Let your feelings rise to the surface. Skim that surface with a tiny net. Now you're getting the hang of it. Tell us your story slantwise, streetwise, in the disguise of an astronaut in his suit. Tell us something we didn't know before, how words mean things we didn't know we knew. I love that last line. 
Yeah. Words mean things we didn't know we knew. That's very nice. That's lovely. Well, Sarah, thank you for potting with me. Thanks to everybody for listening. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tunamedish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas. The music that you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. Our social media communicator is Julia Bloom. And as they say in our hometown, don't Don't forget forget to be awesome. awesome.